You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is September 4th, 2017, a very happy Labor Day. My name is Phil Brosnanreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Like I said, today is Labor Day. Uh, if you're in the States, I assume most of you are. I think my audience tracker says most of you are. So I hope everyone has a happy Labor Day. I'll try and run through a few things here quickly. Get us into the week Week uh, with today's podcast. Hopefully make it a short one, but then uh, we'll be diving into a lot of issues as we are in the official turn toward the season. As I noted a while back, I don't remember when, but... Um, you know, I, I remember listening to the basketball analogy at, at some point uh, earlier in the summer, and Amin Al Hassan, uh, you know, kind of said Labor Day is the point when the when the season begins to get real for for players. A lot of them will begin trickling back into town, uh, coming to Orlando. They'll be playing open gyms, uh, not open to the public, but they'll be running more open gyms with each other. They'll be working out with each other in town. It's time to gear up for training camp because in three weeks' time, the Orlando Magic will open training camp. They'll have their media day September 25th, and then training camp opens September 26th. So we are getting closer and closer and closer. We'll be ramping up some of our coverage over on OrlandoMagicDaily.com in the next couple of weeks and days even, as I think player previews are set to start uh, later this week. But for now, we're going to focus on a couple of other things. Eurobasket is, of course, going on uh, over in, uh, for the Magic, at least in Romania and Finland. I'll talk a little bit about that. I'll talk a little bit about the coaching changes uh, that were reported uh, this weekend. Uh, Minor impact, but I'll talk briefly about them. Uh, And then I'm going to kick off a a week that I'm very excited about. Uh, This Friday, Tracy McGrady is officially inducted into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame. And I am very, very excited. Tracy McGrady was one of my favorite players growing up. I'm sure he's many of your favorite players. Uh, And so I'm going to kick off Tracy McGrady Week with a couple of thoughts on Tracy McGrady's career. But be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com and and check out Locked On Magic later on this week. We're going to have a nice discussion on T-Mac and his career as uh, we uh, honor and get excited about Tracy McGrady, the second Orlando Magic player to make the Basketball Hall of Fame. But let's start with the news that's going on around the Magic. Just kind of quickly go through some of these items. Uh, Over in Europe, in Eurobasket, Eurobasket's well underway. Uh, France and Montenegro have each played two games. France has actually played three games. France is now 2-1. Montenegro 1-1. Last time we spoke here, France... Took a really tough loss to Finland. It was a really got just kind of a sloppy game for France. They did not look good. They responded really strongly in their second game against Greece. Greece is a really good team, definitely a, a difficult team. Um, it's pretty much France and Greece were considered the favorites to win the group, although now Slovenia is looking a lot better. Uh, be on the lookout for that game against Slovenia on Wednesday, I believe. Uh, but France took on Greece, dominated the game. They they really took control early on in the game and won it, uh, held on to win it, but they won it fairly comfortably. And once again, uh, Evan Fournier had a really strong game. 21 points, 5 for 11 shooting. He had three three three-pointers, made 9 of 12 from the foul line. He's now, or at least after Saturday's game, he has 20 free-throw attempts in two games. Uh, Didn't play very much in the win over... uh, and the win over Iceland, 
on su- on Sunday. Um, played about ten minutes, so I, I I mean I'm not even going into much detail about what what he did. Scored about seven points. I think he scored seven points on three for seven shooting, something like that. Uh, th- not really important because he didn't play very much. He only played about again. He played less than ten minutes in that game, so uh, not a huge huge deal there. But now France is pretty much in control of their own destiny again in Group A after taking the loss to, to Finland. They did a good job getting themselves uh, right back up on the mat. Uh, good game from Joffrey Laverne, the Spurs center, uh, in Saturday's win over Greece. And then, of course, I think France just out-talented Iceland to pick up the win and get to 2-1. and one. So France is in very good position. I would venture to guess that they're pretty safe. They were always a safe bet, but I, I'd venture to guess they're pretty safe at this point, even mathematically, to advance out of uh, this round. They've got two games left. They play Poland on Tuesday. I believe two games left. They play Poland on Tuesday. Let's see, there's six teams in the group. This will be, they play three games. Yeah, so they got two games left. They play Poland on Tuesday and then finish off the group against Slovenia on Wednesday. That game against Slovenia is likely to decide who wins Group A in Eurobasket. If you haven't seen Slovenia yet, very fun team to watch. They've got uh, Goran Dragic as well as potential number one overall pick, Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic is living up to the building, folks, if you haven't seen him play yet. I've watched a little bit of their games, and, and he is he is really, really impressive when he wants to be. But um, like I said on, on Friday's episode, Fournier doing a lot of things that we need him to do. Um, he's, he's attacking off the dribble. He's aggressively getting to the line. I think that's a really good development that he's getting to the foul line more. And he's making three-pointers. I mean, the efficiency is going to try and get up there. He's definitely taking a lot of shots. He's probably forcing things a little bit too much. Uh, but we're seeing Evan Fournier play essentially the same role that he was that he will play in Orlando. So I think we're getting a good glimpse of what he can do, and 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 he's producing a lot in these games and, and playing well off of his teammates. And so, um, you know, some good reviews coming for Evan Fournier uh, off of these games. Uh, on the other side of, uh, of of the continent, I guess I mean they're playing in Romania, so a little bit south of of, of Finland. Uh, Montenegro got their first win against uh, against a hungry team, uh, a really spunky hungry team, but but a hungry team that's that's probably in a little bit over their head in this tournament. Uh, so they're now at one and one. Uh, Fra- Montenegro took a really tough loss to Spain in the first game. They really looked tentative. They they got they kind of got blo- they got the blow- doors blown off of them. They lost by thirty points. And Nikola Vucevic got a lot of garbage time stats there. He he was not strong in that game. And even looking at the game against Montenegro, a 72-48 victory, uh, Montenegro was not particularly strong in that game either. Uh, Vucevic, or Vucevic wasn't strong in that game either. He scored only 13 points, grabbed 7 rebounds, but shot 4 of 10 from the field. Um, got off to a very slow start. It seems like Vucevic is struggling a little bit with his post-up game against kind of the more physical style that you see in FIBA. Settling for jumpers, not what you want to see from Vucevic, but where he has been effective is is pick and rolls, pick and pops. That's that's where he's been really, really effective for his national team. Uh, I, I still think they need a little bit more, although Vucevic led the team in scoring in both games. But again, in, in the first game against Spain, it came in garbage time. It came when the game was seemingly already decided. So uh, Vucevic has not looked, he's looked okay. He's producing, obviously, and his team is is kind of where they are. But uh, he's not looked the same the way you want him to look for for the Magic or, or what you're expecting for the Magic. Now, I, I kind of get the feeling that Vucevic's game is better suited for the NBA than for FIBA. 
So I'm not I, I'm not one to say, oh, you know, these these low score lines, these low rebound totals. They're a sign that Vucevic is done, and and I'm not, I'm not here to say that. Uh, you know, obviously we're we're talking about two games, small sample size, uh, and we know what he can do in the NBA. We've seen what he can do in the NBA for the last five years, but it, it's not been a great showing for Vucevic. This is more of a guard dominated tournament. You don't see the bigs playing as well. I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is I think averaging thirteen and ten or something like that. Um, we know we, we know he's a little bit better than that too. So uh, it, it, it's not too much of a concern that Vucevic is not putting up the numbers. But yeah, I'd like to see him be a little bit more efficient, be a little bit more aggressive, uh, lead his team in scoring, which he is doing, but be efficient while doing it, especially as a big. And and that so far hasn't happened. Uh, Montenegro is back in action Monday against Croatia. I believe tip-off is scheduled for around 10.45 Eastern time over in Romania. Big game against Croatia. Croatia is one of the favorites in the group, Montenegro, they need to make up some of that deficit that they got from the 30-point loss, um, and they probably need to pick up a win, one more win to advance out of their group stage uh, and into the knockout round. So, uh, again, we'll, we'll keep an eye on Nikola Vucevic on Monday and keep an eye on the rest of Eurobasket as group play finishes out this week before they head to Turkey for the knockout round. In other news with the Orlando Magic this weekend, uh, it appears that there's going to be some changes to the Magic coaching structure. Uh, I don't know exactly whether to say coaching staff, uh, coaching staff, but also some support staff as well with the Magic. Uh, the big news of the big news that kind of sparked all this is uh, David Edelman, uh, the assistant coach for the Magic, has left the team and will reportedly, according to a- this is all according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com. Uh, David Edelman is apparently leaving the team to take on a bigger assistant coaching role with Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets. Again, you kind of see assistant coaches move around a little bit. Um, you know, if there's an opening, they'll they'll take it, especially if they can get more role uh, or a bigger role within the staff, also more money. But uh, it's it seems like Edelman made the decision to, to to go to Denver, a place that I think he's worked with in the past. Um, uh, as, as as very early on in his career, so not a, a humongous surprise. I mean, it's a surprise that he's leaving this late in the summer. That Denver's filling out their staff so late, but something that does happen from time to time in the assistant coaching realm. So, how are the Magic going to fill his spot in the assistant co- assistant uh, role? It appears, according to Wojnarowski, that the Magic are going to kind of promote from within. It seems that Jay Hernandez has kind of moved up a slot uh, in the coaching in the assistant coaching tree pecking order. Um, Chad Forsey is still the lead assistant, but along with Corliss Williamson uh, and now Jay Hernandez, uh, they'll it appears they'll take on the primary assistant roles. Which you know, assistant coaching roles vary. It's mostly uh, you know preparing scouting reports, keeping track of things on the bench, working with players individually, and 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 I don't think Hernandez's role is going to change very much on that front. Uh, Hernandez. Um, started out, as, as as many of you probably know, started out as a private player coach. He worked Tobias Harris out a lot. Was hired by the Magic under Scott Skiles. Uh, was kind of assistant coach slash player development coach. So he does still does a lot of player development drills and it's still a big focus of his. Um, but he stuck around after the Scott Skiles uh, hire. After the Scott Skiles hire. Frank Vogel kept him on staff. So um, obviously it's, a, it's someone that the Magic think very, very high, highly of. Um, that Vogel thinks highly of to, to promote him from within. To fill that last spot on the on the assistant bench, it appears, again, this is all according to Adrian Wojnarowski, that the Magic will promote Matt Hill to an official assistant coach. Uh, I, I, 
For Hill, I don't see many of his... I mean, I'm sure some of his role will change. I'm sure some of his responsibilities will change. But really, this is a well-deserved promotion for Hill. He's been essentially an assistant coach for this team uh, for the last two or three years, probably, but really last five years. He's been in charge of advanced scouting for the Magic for the last few years. Uh, he uh, really works a lot with the technology that they use to, 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 to record practice. Uh, I think he's had something to do with some of the, the player tracking data that they that they get. Um, but he he kind of he's always helped with their scouting and, and with their practice quality control. Uh, and he's been, you know, the guy is six foot ten. He played at Texas with Kevin Durant. They've used him as a big body in, in practices to to kind of dummy defense to you know be kind of a dummy defense to, to contest shots. And if you go to Magic Games early, you'll see him working with the bigs. So he's he's been on the court with a lot of these players. He's been a player he's kind of been a quasi player development guy for a little for a little while and so um it makes sense to promote him. I think I think he's he's paid his dues and is, is ready to get promoted to assistant coach. So it seems like this is a, a big step up. He's already been traveling with the team, already been sitting on the bench. Um so like I said, I, I don't anticipate that it is such a huge change for him. I'm sure he'll get again, I'm sure him and and coach and Jay Hernandez will get uh some increased responsibility with the new job title again. Probably a bigger paycheck too, uh, but uh, you know, just some just some shifting along the Magic front office here, uh, or Magic coaching staff. And then the other big news: uh, the Magic have again, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN.com, have hired Randy Whitman as a coaching consultant. This has been kind of a general trend that's been happening around the league, where. Coaches will bring in kind of an outside perspective, just kind of watch what they do, kind of be some quality control, you know, pitch, you know, pitch ideas, you know, be kind of a sounding board, kind of an equal sounding board almost. Uh, um, the Magic have hired Randy Whitman, a former Magic assistant under Brian Hill. He actually left the Magic in 2006 to become the head coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves. He's got 10 years as a head coach in the league with the Cavaliers, Timberwolves, and Wizards. You probably know him best from his uh, his. Four years with the four or five years with the Washington Wizards uh, led them to two playoff appearances. Kind of set the table for where they're at now, as far as an organization. Um, it, he he was only been gone a year. Scott Brooks replaced him. Um, got them out of the first round twice. Couldn't get them to the conference finals. In fact, when everyone thought they were ready to get to the conference finals, they went forty one and forty one, and 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 things had kind of run their course with Whitman. Um, Definitely some questions about his rotations, but he's not. A, he's not as far as it, as far as the reporting goes. It does not appear that he's an assistant coach. It appears that he's working as a coaching consultant. And and my frame of reference for coaching consultant comes from the last coaching consultant the Magic had. And that was a uh, Gordon Chiesa. It's not clear if if if, Ch- if Coach Chiesa is still with the Magic at this point, but he spent the last five years as. Uh, 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 either a coaching consultant or what he's listed in the media guide is an assistant to the general manager. Um, Rob Hennigan essentially hired him to help Jacques Vaughn as a head coach early on. Uh, he was Chiesa was an assistant with the Jazz when Jacques Vaughn was there. Longtime assistant with Jerry Sloan in the Utah Jazz. Um, he was kind of there to observe practice, offer some notes, some feedback, some thoughts, just be a sounding board, kind of what I envision coaching consultant means. Um, Chase has still been around the team, does some scout, does some light scouting for the team as well. Um, I, I don't know if he's he's going to be retained at all anymore, but uh, you know certainly the Magic are looking to just get as much feedback on themselves as they can, and so uh, those are the moves that have been made the last few days. And so 
that brings us to this week's main event, this week's uh, whole focus, and this week's whole celebration. And that is what's coming up on Friday with Tracy McGrady's induction into the Naismith Hall of Fame. Now, why do we spend, you know, it's obvious why we should spend time on this. Tracy McGrady is one of the four best players in Magic history. He is on the Mount Rushmore of Ma- or one of the four, I mean, he's one of the four greatest players in Magic history. So I would put him on the Mount Rushmore of all-time Magic players. Um, you know, I, I realize that Mount Rushmore analogy would probably mean Nick Anderson should get on there with with someone, but we'll we'll leave we'll leave that he neither here nor there for now. And for the Magic, it is also what I like to call the second uh, the second Orlando Magic player to make the Hall of Fame. Remember last year, Shaquille O'Neal made the Hall of Fame, and while Shaq still has his detractors in Orlando. He is still, for many, thought of as a Magic player. Now, primarily, he's probably thought of as a late, as a Los Angeles Laker. If you believe NBA 2K18, he's thought of as a Miami Heat. Boo, NBA 2K18. But they're still selling some Shaq Magic here. So Shaq's impact with the Magic, uh, as, as I noted last year, and maybe I'll, I'll share the reshare the link to that, um, to that podcast when I talk about Shaq's legacy with Orlando, but Shaq still holds a very big sway over the Orlando Magic. But Tracy McGrady, Tracy McGrady is the first player to make the Hall of Fame that I think is thought of primarily as an Orlando Magic player. And maybe... Maybe uh, you know one of my guests later. My guests later this week will disagree with me on that, as as I discuss Tracy McGrady's uh, career and legacy. But I think that most of the world thinks of Tracy McGrady as an Orlando Magic player. I think he had his best years with the Orlando Magic. Yet, I also think that it's still very hard to uh, to to get everyone on board with the Tracy McGrady story. When he was announced that he was going to make the Hall of Fame, I think there was a there was a little bit of pushback to say, why is Tracy McGrady going to the Hall of Fame? He, you know, yeah, he was a great player, you know, seven-time All-Star, two-time all, for all you know, two, with the Magic, at least two-time All-NBA first-team player. But he didn't win in the playoffs. He never got out of the first round until until he joined the San Antonio Spurs kind of on a on a on a pity run in, in twenty fourteen, I think. And honestly, when you tell the story or twenty thirteen, when you tell the story of the NBA, McGrady is is ultimately going to be one of those forgotten players. He's going to be just someone that slipped through the cracks of history, both because the teams he was on were historically maybe irrelevant and because his star shined so quickly, uh, you know, so brightly, but so quickly. And so to me, uh, to me, 
obviously as a Magic fan, as someone who, who, you know, my formative years, my, you know, not my first basketball memories, but my first memories really understanding and knowing the game and, and looking at the game, not just from the kind of adolescent view of a fan, but from the guy playing high school basketball and, and really beginning to understand how a basketball game works. Tracy McGrady was the guy for me, or was was the guy on the magic that I watched and, and began applying what I was learning from my coaches in high school and my coaches in junior high and and applying it to what I was seeing on the NBA floor and saying, Oh, okay, this is what they're trying to do, or this is, you know, this is or you know, I, I remember sitting there a couple times during the Tracy McGrady era and recognizing that they were playing his own. Like you don't recognize, you know, I didn't recognize any of that, you know, or really understand illegal defense when Shaq and Penny were playing. I was, you know, just so excited to be around a winning team, you know, be watching a winning team. So yeah, Tracy McGrady probably holds a special place in my heart. And I imagine for most longtime Magic fans, they'll remember every bit of Tracy McGrady. Every bit of those 28.1 points per game. Every bit of those seven rebounds and 5.2 assists per game, every bit of every playoff performance where he just put the team on his back and carried them into the playoffs. There is no better scorer in Magic history than Tracy McGrady, and we'll talk more about some of the aspects of his career later on in the week. What I want to note now is just how legendary Tracy McGrady is. To remind everyone, to remind everyone why he's in the Hall of Fame. It's because of that prodigious scoring number. 28.1 points per game with the Orlando Magic. He led the league in scoring twice, averaging 32.1 points per game in 2003. And 28 points per game in 2004. He came to Orlando as a 21-year-old. Hadn't really proven himself in the NBA. Really, first He, he was coming off the bench with the Toronto Raptors when he came to Orlando. And he was kind of the throw-in to that big three the Magic were chasing. Grant Hill and Tim Duncan were the stars. Tracy McGrady was the risk. And it turned out that that was a bet that was just unbelievably good. That this kid's talent was ready to skyrocket. And with, with Grant Hill out of commission, McGrady got every chance to explore every bit of his talent and his prodigious scoring ability. I'm not sure, I'm not 100% certain, Tracy McGrady reaches the heights he reached if Grant Hill's healthy. But that may be another, that may be a what if for another day. What we want to talk today about is why Tracy McGrady's memory endures. Essentially, why is he in the Hall of Fame? It's because people still talk and care about him. The stories and the legend of his play, of what he did, continue. Despite the lack of playoff success, despite the lack of highlights. And and those of us who watched him know how great he was. We watched him and we know just how easily he attacked a defense. How easily he would just rise up for a jumper and just hit it. How easily he could turn on the turbo jets, get by someone, and dunk and jump over jump over a seven footer, and dunk it with such ferocity. How 
He was one of the few Magic players that had this true killer instinct. That when you slighted him, suddenly the the kind of laid-back, sleepy-eyed T-Mac would would give you kind of that glare and would just go after you. It's a guy who scored 57 points in three quarters against the Chicago Bulls one time. A guy who scored 62 points, the Magic record against the Washington Wizards in his final year. A guy who scored 30 points like it was nothing. I always said this about Tracy McGrady. It didn't matter how good or how bad the Magic were. When Tracy McGrady was playing, you knew you were getting a show. He was never going to let you down. He was going to do something that you would remember. And, and... It's been a long time since the Magic have had a guy who averaged 20 points per game by himself. T-Mac did that on a bad night. I, I mean, there were worse nights. There were nights where, you know, there were, the nights where he scored less than 10 were very rare. Nights he scored less than 15 were very rare. This guy was going to drop points on you. He was going to get buckets. And there's, it's very rare to have seen to see that in Magic history, and it's so honestly, it's a rare skill to do what he did. But it's more than that because you know you can look at the numbers, you can break down the numbers, and say, okay, this guy could score, this guy could do this, this guy could do that. But how are you? How are you know you going to explain this? Explain T Mac to kids twenty years from now when you're taking them through Springfield, Massachusetts, and explaining why Tracy McGrady's in the Hall of Fame. Because the numbers don't encapsulate everything about him. And, of course, the team doesn't either. McGrady, of course, at the time, was considered Kobe Bryant's equal. This may sound crazy to you kids, but I remember sitting on CBS Sports message boards and arguing with support from other people that Tracy McGrady was a better basketball player than Kobe Bryant. That sounds insane today because of everything else that goes into that debate. But even Kobe Bryant admitted Tracy McGrady was the toughest player for him to go up against. His length, his size, all of that. But again, no one's going to remember that in 20 years. T-Mac and his legacy exist in this strange purgatory between... Recognition for individual greatness and disparagement for the lack of team success. You've seen that in great players like Bernard King. I think Bernard King is the perfect example, perfect exemplar for Tracy McGrady. Bernard King did not experience a lot of playoff success. But we still talk about his big scoring performance at Madison Square Garden. And some of that's a byproduct of him being a member of the New York Knicks and being in the New York media and being in the New York market. Will McGrady get that same treatment? Or will we have to tell his story? The story of how he had to fight for playing time in Toronto over some over a little bit of mismanagement of his early career. About how he came to Orlando and blossomed into one of the five best players in the league and one of the top scorers in a, in a league that loved its one-on-one offense. About how he kept it going in Houston until his body just simply broke down unable to carry the massive weight 
of being the guy for so long. Maybe it'll be too hard to tell. Maybe we'll just have to show them the video. And, and McGrady then benefits from coming of age in the early days of YouTube. But even then, some of the footage is grainy. Go back and watch the 2000, 2003 playoffs. HD's come a long way. There are enough highlights of McGrady to show people how good this guy was. But some people, of course, won't listen. And I think some people, I think there there is a fair argument about saying McGrady should not be in the Hall of Fame. For my money, he is. When I watched him play, there was no doubt this was a Hall of Fame player. And when you look at the impact and, and the influence and, and really the cultural zeitgeist that he still has, people still know and remember Tracy McGrady. And he just made everything look so easy. And as he dominated you, it looked like he was sleepwalking. There's a lot to celebrate with Tracy McGrady. I'm very, very excited for his Hall of Fame induction on Friday. Very, very excited to talk more about his career as we move on the rest of the week. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. I wish everyone a happy Labor Day. If you get the chance, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Audioom, Stitcher, tune in all the fun places you download podcasts, your podcast-enabled listening device. You can also find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd, as well as the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Magic. And for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, on Twitter at omagicdaily, and on Facebook at Orlando Magic Daily. If you missed it last week, uh, I did my Central Florida 85, ranking the top 85 sports figures in Central Florida. You can check that out on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. We'll have lots of Tracy McGrady-related content throughout the week this week. Very excited about that. And before you know it, player previews will start. They're going to start up later on this week. So get excited because the season is coming very, very quickly. But for now... That's going to do it for me. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's show. For Locked On Magic and Orlando Magic Daily, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll catch you next time on another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.